0: Welcome to the weekly message from Encounter, where your past has no future and hope is reborn. Our speaker today is Bishop Michael Rice, lead pastor at Encounter. Romans chapter 8. You ever only hear part of the story, part of a conversation and maybe misunderstood what was going on, we're we're, going to pick up partway through a conversation, and I'm praying by the power of the Holy Spirit that we grasp the entirety of what Paul is saying here. And I'm going to title this simply, I'm asking you a question, are you persuaded? What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Father, I'm just asking you now in the next few minutes of this service to continue to engage us. This truth that your word holds, it's your desire that that become a part of our very being. And so, so God, I ask you now to help me to, to, to share your heart and your word with your people. Holy Spirit, I know that you're the real teacher. You're the real preacher. I pray that you would capture our ears today. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. There is so many changes happening so fast in our society. This is not the America of just 10 years ago, or 20 years ago, or 30 or 40 years ago. And of all the things about our society that concerns me, I guess that one of the things that concerns me, it's got to be near the top of the list, is... Is our lack of personal responsibility? Nobody seems to own their behavior, their actions. They want to blame everybody else for everything else, and they don't want to be responsible that to take care of themselves. Some of you know what I'm talking about, where that 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 I'm responsible. It, and I see that same thing is now a part of the body. In fact, I think it probably began there, to be honest with you, because the church is the head and not the tail. But this, this attitude of the, a lack of personal responsibility in the, in the body, we forget that the Scripture says, let every one of us work out our own salvation with fear and trembling before the Lord. This is not something we can delegate to another individual. This is not something we we can ascribe to because of where we go to church or who our parents were, who our pastor is. And we've now created an environment where we have superstar Christians that that somehow people think because we go to that church or and we give to that organization and our name is on those books that... Everything is okay between us and God. And we we seem to lack some personal responsibility that this re, this reality that when when this life is over you will stand singularly before God. Your husband and your wife will not be there with you. Your dad and your mom will not be there to sign off and And your pastor, your denomination, there will be nobody. This is a, you work out your own personal relationship with God. And we have lost the reality that it's that. It is, it's personal. That I can celebrate all that God does in John's life, and I can be moved at what God does in Derek's life, but... But I need to have something of my own. And that I can enjoy your story, but I need to have my story. My wife and I went to pastor a church a number of years ago. And this church had been a church of God for a long time. Decades. And we were there for a few weeks. And once we got settled in and we started to invite People over one family at a time to our house and to get to know them. And there was an individual in that church—a a husband and wife in the church, well-to-do, intelligent. The guy was a multimillionaire. He had, had a chain of uh, uh, exercise places all around the city, and and he'd been a part of that church for for nine years. He faithful. He and his wife were faithful to attend and sat on the left side, second row back, and almost never missed service. Been doing that for nine years. And after we'd been there for a few months, we had them over to our house. And after we had a meal, we, I shared with them that we love to hear how God finds somebody. And, you know, your story, your testimony. And, and so I asked them, I said, would you would you take a minute to, to share with us how, how you got saved? What, 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 we, I love those stories and... Just tell us how you got saved. And he looks at me and he looks over at his wife and he said, you know, some of us have been wanting to talk to you about that. I said, what what do you mean? You know, since you've been here, you've been talking about being saved. You've been talking about being born again. What does that mean? Do you mean when did we start coming to church here? And I said, no, when did, about your, I was stuck. I was, I, I don't know how to answer my When you got saved, when you got a relationship with God. Oh, you mean the first time we started going to church as kids? No. When did, when did he forgive you of your sins? When did you? And we quickly came to the realization they had no idea what I was talking about. And there were other families we invited over, and, and this was being repeated. But I, I remember that night specifically, my, my heart was tore. I was, I was saddened, and, I, and yet I was angry. And as soon as they left, I had to go into the bedroom and shut the door. And I, I said to God, how can this happen, God? How could this man sit in our church for nine years and not know what it means to be saved? How could this man here preaching Sunday morning and Sunday night and Wednesday night and nobody ever ask him, are you even saved? We've come to the place in America that it's possible to go to church every day, that the the doors are open and yet, yet split hell wide open because you've never been told this is a personal responsibility that we have. That I, that I can guide you and that others can impart to you and they can speak into your life. But when everything is said and done, if you are over the age of 10 or 11 years old, you alone will stand before God and answer for this question. What did you do with Jesus? Going to church won't fill the need, and, and saying prayer won't fill the need, and being a demonstrative worshiper won't fill the need. You, you, we need to be like Paul. We need to know this. We need to be persuaded of this. Our faith was always meant to be personal. It's It's mine it's john's faith it's gail best faith faith it's 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 pam's faith it's it's personal you, you when you when you may be able to describe somebody their height and guess their weight and the clothing they wear but that doesn't mean that you know them you know somebody when there's interaction and there's communication We've got to the place that, that we, we, we are satisfied with, with all that we do for God. It's become a religion. Well, I give to God. I pray this much. I, I read His Word. But I would challenge you this morning, beyond what you gave to God, let me ask you, what has He given you? Beyond your talking to God, has He been talking to you? Beyond you reading your word, when did your word last read you? When did it speak to your life? When did it change you? Paul said here, I'm persuaded. That word persuade means to cause someone to do something through reasoning or argument. Synonyms, coax, convince. Induce, win over, bring around, coerce, influence, cause someone to believe something, especially after a sustained effort to convince. Have you been convinced? Have you been convinced of the reality of God? Is it a head knowledge or a heart knowledge? I've heard my wife say that there there was a time in her life that she would have missed heaven by 18 inches. And that's a distance between her brain and her heart. She knew him up here, but she didn't know him down here. But Paul says here, I'm persuaded... You see, there was an argument and he became convinced. There was a sustained argument. There was a sustained effort by the Holy Spirit to change Paul's mind about his life. And he shares this with us in in Romans chapter 8. And I I want you to notice something that if you just read it quickly, you'll, you'll skip it and you'll miss it. He starts off by saying, who can separate us? And then he always talks about things. He said, who can separate us? Can persecution? Can?" You need to understand something. I said on Facebook here the last week or so that if you try to engage a supernatural world with supernatural means, you will become frustrated. If you don't understand that you do have an adversary, you do have an adversary that is after you, And he's attempting to manipulate and orchestrate things in your life to cause you to be separated from the love of God. If you don't see that, you will never, ever, ever know what it means to be more than a conqueror. To be be more than a conqueror, you've got to conquer something or somebody. And Paul is telling us in Romans 8 that there is always a somebody, a who, that does something. If you think that situation that you can't get over just happened, if you think it was just in your cards, if you think it was just dumb luck, you don't understand that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and spiritual wickedness and high places. If you don't know that, if you think you are just a ping pong bouncing through life and... And boy, it stinks to be you because this happened to you. If you don't understand, there's a who behind all of that. So who shall separate us from the love of God? Who? Not what, but who? He asks the question who, but he answers it with a what. The what is the tool, but the who is your adversary. Are you getting that? The the, 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 the situation, the things. You read these verses in Romans 7, 8, 9. It's constantly who and things. Who and things. Who's doing these things? And you need to be persuaded. What then shall we say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all... How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? It goes on to say, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution? There's always a who who, with every situation. But Paul says this. Paul said, I'm persuaded. He said, I I, I know this. I more than, than read this. How many's ever flown in an airplane? Would you be okay flying with a pilot who's only read the manual? Once played a trick on a lady. We shouldn't have, but it, we did. I, I used to drive a tour bus for a living, and, and one guy called me one time, one of the owner-operators, and he called me, and, and it's like 11 o'clock at night, and he says, Mike, I'm on my way back from Washington, D.C., I'm tired. Is there any way you can finish this trip for me? So what are you talking about? And he says, I'll, I'll meet you near your house, and, and you take the bus, and you take these people on over to Nashville and drop them off and come back. He said, I'll pay you a whole day. It's four hours of driving. I'll pay you for a whole day if you just do this. I says, I'll, I'll, sure, I'll, I'll do it. I'll meet you. I'll help you out. And so 2 o'clock in the morning, I meet this guy at a gas station, and, and the, the lady that's the head of the group she's a a nervous Nellie. She's just one of those, you know, and she's not sure. She's never in all of her life ever ridden on a bus with anybody but Johnny driving. And so uh, I I wished I didn't know that because. So, so, you know, she, she's, she's, she's trying to make sure that I'm capable of driving this bus and and, and she says, that right, with Johnny standing there, she says, Johnny, are you sure he, he can drive this bus? You know, and he goes, yeah, yeah, he can drive it. He's, he's a good driver. And she goes to me, have you ever driven a bus before? I thought, you know, a wiser man wouldn't jump into this, but that's not me. I said, oh, yeah, I've driven this bus, bus a bunch of times. I'm all the time driving it out around in the yard when I clean it. You know, when Johnny's done driving it. I've backed it up before. I drove it in before. In fact, once I even pulled out in the road and backed it back into the yard so I could wash the other side of it. And she's looking at me like, Is that all? And I said, Well, I went probably 50 feet down the road. So I shouldn't have done that. She got more nervous. And, uh, but I got on the bus. She finally, we settled down, told her we were kidding. And I got on the bus and, and just started down the highway. And Johnny had, this bus had his issues and all the dash lights go out. And I'm, I'm going down the entrance ramp on Interstate 75 and all the dash lights go out. And it starts to rain. Well, I've driven the bus before, but I've also driven 15 of the other buses these guys use. And I can't remember where the windshield wiper switch is. I pick up my cell phone, calling Johnny as I'm driving, and she's tapping my shoulder. She goes, I can't see out the windshield. I said, not now, I'm on the phone. <laughs> Johnny, where's the windshield wiper switch for the bus? You need to know that neither death, nor life, nor angel, nor principality, nor power, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall ever be able to separate you from the love of God. You you need to know that. You need to be persuaded. There needs to be an argument that has taken place in your life where you are now convinced. You have debated this point and, and you have experienced enough life that it's more than just, you know, I heard somebody preach about that one time, or it's not just a testimony on the screen. This is my personal testimony. I am persuaded. But we never ask the question, how did he get persuaded? Can I tell you, you never know how to fight through a game unless you play the game. We want to be more than conquerors. We just don't want to conquer anything. We want God to conquer it for us and give it to us. We want a badge. There's a, there's a phenomenon going on in America today that there are people that are wearing military uniforms. You can even look them up on YouTube. It's called Stolen Valor. They're wearing military uniforms, but they've never been in the military. And they go places just to get the acclaim of man and thank you for your service and discount and meals bought, but they never served in the army. We have stolen valor in the church today. We we talk about a God who heals, but we've never allowed him to heal us. We talk about a God who delivers, but we never allow Him to let us get to a place where we need deliverance. We don't know that greater is He that is in us than he that is in the world because we never confront he that is in the world. We don't know that the sting of death is gone because we're never willing to confront death. Paul said, I am persuaded... I know this. I know this. If you've ever debated, if you've ever confronted somebody, if you've ever negotiated, you can tell when they know what they're talking about. You can tell by the look in their eye they know what they're talking about. I've been in the room. I've been there when demon-possessed people have manifest. And, and I've been with people who were big talkers, but all of a sudden, when it's in their face... Seven brothers had seen Paul cast out demons, and they thought that was pretty cool. So they cornered a demon one day in a house. And Oh, man, if, people, if a demon could be talked out, these guys could do it. We adjure thee by Jesus whom Paul preaches about. You see, they were never persuaded. They knew Paul was persuaded. When Jesus spoke, they said, never a man spoke like this man. He speaks with authority. He speaks as if he knows what he's talking about. And two others said, did not our hearts burn within us? Because when Jesus spoke, he knew the subject matter. You and I need to know the subject matter. We need to have a personal relationship with with the healer. We need to have a personal relationship with the deliverer. We need to have a personal relationship with the God who provides. But you will, listen to me for a moment, you will never know He's a healer until you get to the place where you have no other options except God. Or when you choose to exercise, no other option except God. And I laid there in that hospital room and the doctors had shook their head again in my face and told me, we don't know how to fix this. And as the bills piled up and the the enemy got in my face and said, where is your God now? You've prayed for others and they've been healed. And look at you. Where is your God now? And I want to tell you, it was one of the darkest and one of the greatest days of my life. Because in that moment, David, I found out he was right there. And, And you will never know he's a healer until you allow him to heal you. Until you let him meet that need, until you decide in your heart, I'm not going to turn to some other idol or some other god or some other avenue, I'm going to depend on God. You'll never know he's a deliverer until you need delivered. You'll never know he supplies all of your needs according to his riches and glory until you have nowhere else to turn. And then you know, and then you know that the height and the depth and the breadth and the width of the love of God that you serve. When you come up to a place in your life and you're facing a stone wall and there's no way to move it and you depend on God. And the moment next you find yourself on the other side of the wall and you can't explain how you got there, but you know that you're now healed. And you don't need a doctor to tell you you're healed. You know that you're healed. You know that you're delivered. You know that God is going to supply the need because He told you. Then you're persuaded. Then you're persuaded of the love of God. You're persuaded that His love for you is greater than anything you face. I'm persuaded. Paul says, I'm persuaded. You'll never know. You'll never know. It'll just be head knowledge that he's a healer. You'll never know he's a healer until he heals you. I will never in my life be able to be convinced that God isn't a healer because he's already healed me. I'll never be convinced that God can't deliver you because he's already delivered me. I'll never be convinced that he can't supply all of my needs according to his riches of glory because he's done that. I've seen him multiply stuff seen him bring money when I, d- I didn't know where it was coming from I've seen him do incredible acts I'm persuaded of that Judy I know I know I know and then when the who separates us gets in my face I know he's a who he doesn't have a name but I know my God's name his name is Jesus he's a who. Jesus is my God. And if you don't allow yourself to get into the place, if you, the moment the need arises, you begin to panic, you, you begin to cheat, you begin to manipulate, you begin to look for other avenues, you turn to something else and someone else, then you will never know what He can do. You'll always wonder. Paul had to go through some terrible stuff to be persuaded. And here's his testimony. I'm persuaded. I'm convinced that death nor life nor angels, do you understand that he had to have faced death? death? A number of years ago, we were in, in, in North Carolina on vacation and and, and and there was a storm that brewed up and the wind was blowing so hard off the ocean and there was a staircase that, that went down right to the beach. And, and when you stood at the top of the staircase, that wind blew so hard that it could literally hold you up. Now, I remember my, my one my one brother, he was afraid. You could lean out and you could lean out this far and the wind would hold you up. But the only no way you would know that it would hold you up is to lean. Well, he never leaned. How do I know it's going to hold me up? Just lean. Yeah, but how do I know? What if the wind dies down? And we live our life right there, don't we? What if God doesn't deliver me? What if God doesn't? And we fail to ask the question who shall separate us from the love of God? Who? What tribulation? What persecution? What difficulty? What, what stress? What anger? What anguish? What pain? What wound? What financial need? Is any of that greater than the love of God? You see, I think we get hung up sometimes because we're looking at the miracle instead of the miracle maker. And these things... Are allowed in our life, I believe, so that we might know Him. We will know the we never know the power of His resurrection until we need it. It's funny. Last night I was going over these notes again, and I, I came to this part of the message, and I thought that's really hard to illustrate. God, I don't understand, and I'm. I I I popped some popcorn and I was I was sitting and I was eating the popcorn and I dropped a piece of popcorn and Bingo he knows to follow me around let's just say that okay and and our dog Bingo he he man he snatched up that popcorn and I wasn't paying attention I kept eating and I'm I'm praying I said God give me something to you know help me to understand help me give, give me something to convey this better and I'm eating it. I look down and I swear Bingo was like this. He was staring at the spot where the popcorn dropped and he'd already eaten it. But he was waiting for the next one. And I watched him and I said, bingo. He goes, I said, dude, what are you looking at? He didn't answer me. He never talks to me. But the moment I went back to eating, he went, and we do that. You see, because God wants us to have faith in him, not in his acts. We we stare at the mountain. We stare at the problem. But we need to be staring at him. Because these things don't come into our life. You know, we got a saying in Christianity that makes my skin crawl. Uh, I've, heard, I've heard people say this. I have this sickness because God knows I can bear it. What? Like God's got, you know, I got sickness. I gotta... Here, Judy can take it. I'll give it to her. Where's the reasoning in that? You see, God allows things to happen in our life so that we can become persuaded like him. We can become persuaded that he is our healer, not that he heals. Do you ever notice in, 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 in the scripture that there are those people that knew that God healed and then there are those people that knew he was their healer? And there's a world of difference. He wants you to know he's your healer. He wants you to know. And the only way you're going to know he's your healer is if you let him heal you. And when you lay aside every other idol and every other lover and you say, God, I get it from you or I don't get it anywhere else. If I were to get up in the morning and say, tell Gail Beth, I want a kiss and I want it now. And if you don't give it to me, I'm going to find somebody who will. I'm going to guess. I'm going to guess that ain't going to go over too well. And yet we do the same thing to God, don't we? God, I need this, and you've got till 11 o'clock, or I'm going to go over here and get it from this person, or I'm going to do this. What, What if we just said, God, I need this, and I'm looking nowhere else? Your love is greater than this. And if your love determines I shouldn't have this, I'm okay with that too. I want to know you and the power of your resurrection and the fellowship of your suffering. I want to know you. I want to know you, God. I want to know you is my healer. I want to be persuaded. I want to be persuaded, God. I want to be persuaded that death can't separate me from the love of you. That height. God, no matter how much you bless me, Or how much it seems like you evade me, God, height nor depth. No matter what happens, God, I know you love me. I'm persuaded of that. I know that. It's every part of my being, God. We need to get to that place that, that we know that he is ours. Jesus says, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I never knew you. I never knew you. God says, I knew you when I knitted you together in your mother's womb. I knew you. The enemy always wants to turn the question to this. Does God know what I'm going through? Does God care about me? What an insult. He knows you. And he cares. There's a secret recipe they say for Kentucky Fried Chicken. I'm not sure, but... It said there's a secret recipe. 17 herbs and spices. There's a secret recipe, if you will, for relationship with God, and it's found in this. Found in the book of Hebrews. It says, but without faith, it's impossible to please Him. They that come to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Listen to me for just a moment. We serve a loving compassionate God but it takes more than compassion to move the hand of God. If all that was needed was the need then Africa would see the presence of God in greater measure than we do. Without faith, it's impossible. Impossible. The enemy wants to get you to call on the compassion of God. As if he could be anything other than compassionate. Had one of our sons one time say something Aren't you guys going to feed me? Like, where in the world? Where did that come from? When was the last time you ate? It was like three hours earlier. I said, how old are you? How many times have we fed you? Have you ever once not been fed? Why would you ask? Are you guys not going to feed me? Dude, it's a few minutes late. Just take a chill pill. And yet we do that to God. He has never once forsaken us. He said, He'll never leave us or forsake us. But it takes more than simply calling on His mercy to get Him to move. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. They that come to Him must, nobody say must, you must believe that He is. You must know that He's right there with you. You've got to know No matter how high you are or how low you are, no matter how struggling and healthy you are or healthy you are, no matter how in bondage you are or free you are, you have to know He's with you. And you know that and you're persuaded of that. When everything else around you is a mess, you're just, okay. This is an adventure I'm on with God. When everything is said and done, I'm going to be standing with him in glory. How bad can it get, man? This is just an adventure I'm on with God, and he's okay. I'm not going to tell him what to do. Somebody in here, just quit telling God what to do. Just quit telling him. Prayer isn't about, hey, you forgetful old man. uh, I talked to you about this yesterday. Here's what I want you to do. He knows. He knows. Just. What he's waiting for is faith, and so they marched around Jericho. Why? There's no natural reason, but as they marched around, they were obeying God. And an obedience is a demonstration of faith. Would you stand at your feet this morning. The moment I said Kentucky Fried Chicken, I lost half of you. I gotta fix that. I, I, the Colonel Sanders spirit, moved in and grabbed people. Do you know? Do you know personally? Are you persuaded? We Christians sometimes are like stuck pigs, aren't we? The moment things start to go bad in our life, Oh, why God? Why me? I'm a good guy. Get Brent. He can handle it. I can't handle it, God. We sing, make me more than a conqueror, but don't make me conquer anything. I know you as my healer, though you've never healed me. You're my deliverer, but you've never really delivered me because I squirm out of that situation faster (laughs) than a long tailed cat in a room full of rocking chairs. I am out of here, okay? I'm out of this. And and we don't allow ourselves, let me know what I'm saying. We don't allow ourselves. Maybe Brother David would remember he was part of, he was the head of the singing group that Gail Beth sang in and I toted their equipment and played sound man and we'd gathered up three or four cars to travel an hour and a half away to open for the Payne family at a large church. We came for a love offering, and the group did a great job. They sang three, four, five songs. And most of us, you know, we're, we were young, struggling financially. We, most of us struggled just to get there, but we knew we'd get an offering, and we'd split up the offering so we'd have gas money to get back home. And service is over, and it almost seemed like the pastor was evading me. I had to chase him down. I think there were seven or eight hundred people there that night do you remember david and and i, I chased I, I, you know i'm glad i appreciate you inviting us you know and giving them every opportunity because i got three tanks of gas they needed filled out in the parking lot finally he said y'all did a great job and he reaches into his wallet and he pulls out 10 bucks now in our car the red light you know that red light that says you're about to look really stupid it had been on for like 20 minutes. And he gives us 10 bucks. And I know the other people didn't have any gas. 10 that, that bucks? That won't hardly get one car home. I think Dave was the only one who had a job at that time. Gave the 10 bucks up. and Gilbeth and I got in the car. It's like... an hour and a half drive home. She said, what are you going to do? I said, I don't know what I'm going to do. I didn't put myself in this mess. So we just drove home and drove and drove. Now, we'd already knew when that red light comes on, we knew you had about X number of miles and man, we'd long surpassed that getting there. And we just drove and drove and drove and drove and drove an hour and a half back home. And just to show, I think it was just to put an exclamation point on it, the next day when I got up, I went out to start the car and it wouldn't start. It was totally out of gas. I think God had de- just angels just pushing it. Just, But you know what? You'll, you'll never know a God who can supply all of your need until you allow yourself not to look anywhere else. And then you're persuaded. Then you're persuaded. Then when somebody stands in front of you with a need, oh, brother, that is bad. Let's hope God can do something with that. Ain't never seen it myself, but I'm thinking, I read one time he could do that. You can look somebody in the eye. You can tell them i have been there. The same God that loves you, loves me, and who loves me loves you. He brought me out of this. So don't look to the left or to the right. Look to Him. And then you can pray. Something happens. Because faith. Faith. That's Bishop Michael Rice, Lead Pastor of Encounter. More messages from Pastor Rice are available at our website, godenc.com dot you can subscribe to our regular podcast through our website or on iTunes. Find us on Facebook under Encounter.